Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Otaku Susume, or Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. So it took us a little bit longer than planned to finish this one. A little. <laughs> yes, a little. We did the math, and we watched this faster than it originally came out. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So, But I recommended sorry. Jen that we should watch Outlaw Star. Yep, because I'd never seen it. You'd never seen it. I've never seen all of these really old anime that only old people watch because it's so old. That old? <laughs> it's 98, which means it's old. It's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely in a pre- Old. Modern Moe period, though. Pre-modern Moe. Yeah, actually, that's a good way to put it. Like, Moe has been around forever, but there's definitely the it was be- doe-eyed, noseless girl <laughs> Moe, I would say, kicked off right after 2000. It was BM anime. Before Moe. Before Moe. <laughs> <laughs> and parts of it are definitely a product of its time. Yes. I was actually going to say it's definitely a product of its time, both in a good way and a bad way. I think it had, it was, that old animation and the old storytelling method definitely had some good things. It wasn't all bad. I would agree. And I think it's a big plus that both of us wish we could get away with more nowadays, the old translation style. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the official translation was really, 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 really good. So, small disclaimer, we watched this with Japanese vocals and English subs, the official English subs. Because I can't stand dubs. That's true. But it's the subs based off of the dub track. Yes. So, it's what they say Uh, in the dub. Okay, so what I should say is the adaptation was really, really good. I don't know if, I mean, considering its age, I don't know if there is just a sub track. Well, what I mean is, I imagine somebody translated it, and then they gave it to the people who write the scripts for the dubbing, and then... Because cause the, the translators translators are not script writers, and so Sometimes. you need some dumb... Mo- like, I don't know. I mean, we might have to look up the credits for this, but I, I wouldn't should. be surprised if they adapt- adapted the translation into a dub script, and then the voice actors kind of made it sound better in the studio. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of finagling that could have gone in there. Mm -hmm. But it did make me laugh because the first episode started and by default it was playing in English. And you immediately went, No, (laughs) my ears. I I mean, I'm I'm sure it wasn't that bad and I'm sure I'd get used to it. But I I wanted to watch it in Japanese. Which we did. Outlaw Star is actually of that age, not old, but of that age that I watched it on TV. Old! When it, <laughs> when it aired on Cartoon Network. And so I saw it as a dub. And there's definitely a lot of shows from that period, and this is my nostalgia probably talking heavily, that resonate more with me because of the dub, because it's what I remember when I think of the show. That That's fair enough. I mean, I watched the dub for Kakap Sakura, and so watching it, as you know, watching that now, I'm like, oh god, my ears. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I think this was probably the first time I've given the original Japanese a proper watch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I knew a lot of the dub lines, but seeing them juxtapose- 
juxtaposed against that Japanese made me realize that, no, they actually did a pretty good job. And I think a large part of that is kind of a freedom to deviate when necessary. Yes. Which I think there's a huge backlash against now from certain vocal groups. Correct. Which is a shame. Yep. But before we get too lost in the weeds, I knew Outlaw Star was a obviously a very famous, influential anime. Sci-fi, that's it. I think you confused it with Captain Tyler at one point. Yes, I did. I definitely did. It, they're different shows. Well, I, I realize like, that now. I'd like you to watch Captain Tyler as well. Okay. <laughs> do we have the D- we have the DVD for that as well? Don't we? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, but but my main my main point is I have no I had no idea about the story before going into this. So, what is the story about the stuff? It's a brief summary. A brief summary is that a punk from a backwater in space and his sidekick slash best friend slash mechanic get wound up in a tale of intrigue between the three major powers, the outlaws, the pirates, and the galactic space force. And they come into possession of an incredibly advanced starship, and they set off to find the galactic ley line, which I'm not entirely sure what that is. I would say that's in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Although the galactic guys don't really have much of an influence in terms of what... It's really them versus pirates. Yes. Like, the outlaws do their own thing, and the Imperial Army do their own thing, and then you have the outlaw star running around getting into hijinks with pirates and debt with billionaires. I think you described it very well a couple points during this series. When you said it feels like a role-playing game. It Like does. a proper pen and paper one, though. Because you've got your main crew, and you've got this world that's been set up, and a plot that the DM has proposed. And, and then, then the they go completely sh- off plot. <laughs> and then the crew just fuck around for a while. <laughs> yep. Yep. And everybody has their own class. Like, you have, obviously, the hero type, and then you have the mechanic and you have your typical cat girl, and you have your typical... Typical cat girl. <laughs> you have your Maybe typical... prototypical cat girl. <laughs> and then your typical, um, you know, samurai assassin. I'm sorry, there will be no room allowed for any disparagement of Asia Clan Clan of the Katarl Katarl Empire on this podcast. <laughs> Nyani? <laughs> I think that was probably going back to the translation. One of the, obviously, I haven't seen the English, and, and when we were watching the Japanese, um, Asia often says things like nyani, like throwing in a nyan into all of her words. And you found that highly entertaining because obviously that did not translate into the English. Yeah, I mean, you, because it's animated, you get all the cat mannerisms, and she is a cat. But yeah, you don't get her saying meow all the time. Yeah, and that would be weird if it, they said meow in English. Yeah, it's one of the things that I feel is a lot easier to do in Japanese, to put little affectations into speech like that. But when you try to do it in English, it either just it, – it's always annoying. Whether it's in text or whether it's spoken, it's never done well. And I hate it. I, I think it's actually done really well in Monster Hunter with the with the cat people because it's not obnoxious. But that's getting off the subject. That's the only time I've seen it done well. 
Okay, usually then. Usually it's it's really annoying. But I find that like it doesn't even have to be a Japanese thing. Mm. Like whenever you have a French character in an English written story. Mm, yeah. And they're always speaking like French and they write it out with all the the what you say, the extra vowels. <laughs> it, it's it's horrible. I'm pretty sure if you actually wait, yeah. I mean, the frogs in Flushed Away are pretty hilarious, but that's not written. You can, yeah, I would say oh. that, that's more of a problem written, because then you can do it as an accent, but then when you try to do accents based off a Japanese thing, yeah. you get Texan Osakans, and I hate that too. Or you have the one from, the one that you're playing right now where... Oh my god, this- no, we're not even talking about that. <laughs> oh, jeez, they, ugh. That's the worst. Or is it Secret of Mana where the Legend girl, of Mana. Legend yeah. of Mana, where she's talking like a baby and every single R is a W and you can't, I literally cannot read what. It's so bad. It's, what she says is so, so bad. bad. It's so bad. But no, so it was pretty funny to see how they put all the cat affectations into her speech. It let me experience something new from a show I thought I was well acquainted with. Aww. <laughs> and we did, I did really enjoy the translation, like we said, um, that I even made some notes to use for later, like um, Urise being translated to bite me. <laughs> well, and it is, you get a lot of phrases like that that are very Japanese. And it can be a sticky point in translating because there are the set translations that have almost become a meme. But they're not good in every single situation. Just don't use them in every single situation. Ah! No, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And so you get those in this where they said, okay, what is the character feeling and how do I express that emotion in English? Bite me. Bite me. I think that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that fit the character really well, too. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, what Gene says, and he's like, I'm pretty a no sure. good two bit scoundrel from a backwater space planet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if he if he was allowed to swear, he definitely would have. Yes. That's a good PG-13 swear word. Yes. Tell you to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not that one, but... Well, it's a PG-13 version. Is it not? Neandato! <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing going back to the plot that we both realized watching it from the start was... They did a fantastic job of show, don't tell. Yes. Like, holy crap, this is really good in terms of creating a feel of the world and a feel of events and how everything works together without explaining it. Yeah, they like, don't need to explain anything. They just showed you. Like, and you're like, oh, I get it. Every episode has a 10-second narration at the beginning. And that's all you ever get from the narrator. Mm-hmm. And even still half the time, he's not really explaining anything, but he's just setting a mood for where the episode's going to hit. Occasionally, it's like, I think my little bit that I said earlier about the outlaws and the space force and the pirates being the three major powers of space, that's an exposition dump from the narrator in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's it. Anything else comes out naturally through dialogue. Mm-hmm. Or even without them saying anything at all. Yeah. You just see them, you know, just interacting with the world around them and it makes sense yeah they i think they did a really good job at building that world too there's a a lot of things i rip we rip (laughs) on modern light novels a lot 
Oh my god, because they're so bad. But the thing that always gets to me is that when I see something like this, I just, like, internally, I snark and I go, oh man, you know, if they showed up on Beifeng, whatever, in a modern light novel, you'd have a page and a half explaining about how this satellite, whatever it's orbiting, and the people that came there, and why it's got these types of people on it, and this and that, and you'd be like, no. It doesn't matter to the story. It's not affecting my story at all. It's unnecessary filler. Yes. Everything we need to know, they're either going to show you, because it's a visual medium, or the characters can drop it in a natural way. Mm Mm-hmm. Done. And it felt so good watching a show that still did that. It did, yeah. Well, you say still. It is old. Quiet. (laughs) Mature. Like cheese. Do you not like cheese? I love cheese. There you go. Damn it. <laughs> it's like, what's the other thing that's mature? Fine wine. Damn it. That's not an insult either. Ha <laughs> <laughs> This anime aged like fine wine. No, shit. That's a compliment. Oh, God damn it. The last thing you want to do is compliment an anime. Especially one that you recommended. Yeesh, I can't have that. <laughs> so we've mentioned some of the characters. Mm-hmm. I think you ran through the list of names. Uh, no, all I said was Asia. You said Jean. You said Suzuka. No, I I just described her. Suzuka is the, is the samurai assassin. assassin. Who is your favorite of the player characters? (laughs) That's what they are now, the player characters. Asia, obviously. Good. Yeah. Good. No, seriously, she (laughs) had the most personality. She had the most, like, she had the motivation that made the most sense. Her actions were always based on her core character, which normally revolved around food and fighting. Whoa, whoa. And upholding the honor of the Katarl Katarl Empire. Yeah, that goes under fighting. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And she was just a really strong character. Uh, so, So one of my complaints about Suzuka is she turns up and she's a badass and twilight suzuka she's got the oh sorry i forgot her first name twilight she's got the extra affection on there well they they mention this you know they talk about how only true badasses get that and they list off a couple including hot eyes hilda and other people but i forgot that because they use it in one episode and then they never use it again because she stops being a badass like she only hangs out with them actually i don't know why to get money and to have fun (laughs) But she, you see her and she cuts, she pops up and then they defeat her. And then she's like, oh, well, I was defeated by this man who's an idiot. So I'm just going to follow him around. And it's like, Wait, why? It makes no sense. Oh, crap. We forgot about uh, the robot. Melfina? Melfina. Yeah. She's also there. She's an android. Sorry. You can call her River if you want. Right. River. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm just going to really finish that That Suzuka was, I think, the most disappointing. And then at the end, she has some... Okay, so this is actually a very tabletop roleplay game, where a random... You're, like, you're at the end of your campaign, and there's a, there's a story plot that hasn't been resolved. Actually, it hasn't or even... Or started. Or started. It hasn't even started. They haven't even flagged it yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. But they're like, oh, crap, I need to do this before we finish wrap up our story, so I'm going to quickly whip this out. And that what happened with Suzuka in, like, the second to last episode. Like, oh, you have this mysterious background that's suddenly very important, and 
it all the stakes are really high for you. And like, we, where did this come from? This came out of literally nowhere. Yeah, it did. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? So she was, I think, the most disappointing out of all of them. Yes, definitely so. I wouldn't disagree. Melfina was a close second. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's Melfina's fault. Okay. Melfina is given, like, she's made central to the plot, but then as we said at the beginning, the party ignores the plot for the vast majority of the show. (laughs) So they ignore Melfina for most of the show. Yeah, yeah. And that, so that's not Melfina's fault. And that I, so I've commented on maybe less terribly ripped on some of the other things we've talked about because of pacing issues. Mm-hmm. And it would be unfair of me to not do the same to Outlast Star, despite the fact that it was my recommendation and that I really enjoy Outlast Star. There's too much filler in this show. Yes, 100%. Like, they establish the story in the first four episodes or whatever, and they resolve it in the final three episodes, and then the 19 in between are filler. <laughs> Which is a problem because I am not adverse to filler. I think it can definitely, I think it definitely has a place and I think it can work really well as a palate cleanser. For instance, like the episode that never aired in America on TV, the Hot Spring Planet Tenray. <laughs> that was such a stupid It's a filler. stupid filler episode, but I think if you were building up the story and the drama elsewhere, it could act as a great little you know, breather mm-hmm. right before going into the final three episodes, which gets really heavy all of a sudden. But there's nothing to take a breather from by the time you get there because they haven't been doing anything. Yeah. And so, but you could easily make it happen. Like, you know, when you're doing the space race bit, that had a little bit of plot mixed in, but you could have more emphasized it because if you're going to meet up with the weirdo Gwen Con and the McDougals or whatever creepy creepy mcdougals you know it's like i feel like you could put more of that in there instead of trying to backload all of the character advancement yes like melfina is constantly being like who am i what am i and they're like yeah we'll get to that we'll get to that we gotta win a space race first. <laughs> yeah. but if you're gonna put these characters in there that are intrinsic to her especially with the space pirates because the space pirates clearly have a big part to do with her Slight spoilers, but as we've already said, it's over 20 years old, so... Oh, well. (laughs) Like, the guy you were just mentioning, Suzuka's rival that doesn't get introduced till the end. I don't even remember his name. Yeah, no one does. He's on for five seconds. It's fine. Way earlier in the series, once, you know, they blow up the first two Taoist wizards and steal the XGP, Mm -hmm. they switch over and they show Lord Hazanko, who leads this group of Taoists pirate assassins yeah they do yeah and they show all the assassins in shadow at that point to not give them away Mm -hmm. and he's like yes we're gonna go and get the xgp back and find the galactic ley line and i'm evil pagwa sumpha pagwa sumpha yeah (laughs) um like if you have seven assassins or whatever you can trip feed them over this series to keep building towards that final resolution which is what i was expecting like like, give us one of the assassins during the space. The best episode, in my opinion, is the one that deals with an assassin. Yes, 100% yes. And deals with character growth. Now, it's Jim's character growth, not Melfina's, but... But it was, it was yeah, it was the best episode. Jim versus the cat assassin is a fantastic episode. 
Yeah, no, 100% agree. And I even write down, like, oh, the start of the game, the start of the game. <laughs> You've got me going. You've got me <laughs> running with this analogy now. Aha, the, start, mine. the start of the anime is pirates in space. And then the middle is paying back loans and the daily life of trying to make money because they're in horrible debt. And then the end is pirates in space. Yeah. And so the weird thing about that to me is that in a longer running shonen series, that could work pretty well by using kind of these daily life hijinks to be those breather episodes, But right? it doesn't because you have things like Naruto, which was over like almost, I don't think it was roughly 200 episodes. I don't and know. And there was so much filler. Laven and Kenny Jesus just watched Christ. all that and they can go watch that on the Anna Bros, Shin Anna Bros podcast. Um, so they can go talk about Naruto all they want because it's Neither of us are going to do that because it's garbage. <laughs> but that's my point, is that I, in theory it should work on a longer show, but in reality it doesn't because it's still filler. Well, no, but you don't use it like... So here's the weird bit about Outlaw Star. It has a manga. Does it? And I've read the manga. Wait, what? And the manga's only three volumes long. What? Wait, what came first? The anime or the manga? The manga. Huh. And that's really, really weird because with the way the filler is, it almost feels like normally filler is put in in something like Naruto because you've re you're catching yeah, you're up and so you're trying to pause, be like, oh shit, we don't know where the story is actually going. Let's do random hijinks until yeah. we know what we're doing. Or they do it the opposite way and they go, we've caught up. We're going to make an alternate ending involving Hitler and then we'll just reanimate it later. No. <laughs> yes, well, that's what happened. <laughs> no. And so, but in this one, you didn't have that because it's a three volume manga. There's no reason to put any filler. Mm. It's short enough already. And so it is, it's very weird. And I like some of the episodes and they make me laugh. Yes. But they're not contributing to the story. Yes. Because you're also not getting a lot of character growth through it. Yes. And that, that I think was a shame. Like, okay, fair enough. If you're going to ignore the plot for 19 episodes, Fine, but at least give us some kind of development. Like it mostly felt like world building. Like yeah. we mostly got a feel for the. Well, I say world. I mean like the universe. Yeah, that they're traveling around it. And and I really liked that. I think I liked that the most was how real you know a sci fi story with knife fighting spaceships Excuse can work. It wields an axe and a pump action shotgun. Oh, sorry. No, there is a knife. I'm pretty sure there was a knife fight Did it? I knife thought it had an axe at one point. Yeah, they, they swap out weapons okay, for, for the spaceship because the spaceship has arms and needs to, you know, have fisticuffs with other spaceships. And wrestling. And wrestling. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Honestly, one of my favorite world-building kind of elements of this series was how they keep breaking their ship. And so a lot of episodes of them stuck in places trying to fix their ship, which they broke because they got into a fight with another pirate. Well, yeah, it's like the reason they're in debt is because it's not just we have a spaceship we can go to travel, but it's, shoot, we got to pay docking fees. We got to get food. We got to buy more ammo. We had to jettison a bunch of crap. Now we have to get new arms. We were attacked by pirates again. Again. And our spaceship got beat up again. Again. Yeah, no, I really, really like that. The world building's great. Just put a bit of character building in there, too. Yes. Yes, if, please. If I can counter something you said earlier, where you said that Suzuka is probably your least favorite character because she didn't do anything, 
I almost say it's a bigger sin for Gene because Gene does all sorts of shit and doesn't change. Yes. Yeah. Gene is the same character at the beginning and the end. He changes his in hair. In like the last half episode, I would say. His hair. He gets a haircut. <sighs> I think he, you get a little bit of growth in the fact that. You know, he has that realization that, oh, no, okay, the most important thing I can get out of the ley line is Malfina back. But the problem is they don't show them coming together, not like in a sexual manner. No, 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 but, but in they, like a – I don't think he makes that connection. I think he just I that's but I think it. I think he's supposed to make that connection. Yeah. I just don't – I just think they did a really poor job showing it. Yes, yes. And so, like, he starts off as, you know, just – a womanizer who doesn't care. And when he first meets Melfina, he's still acting like that. And Jim pretty quickly scares him off. It's like, no, no, you don't do that shit with Melfina. You know, and he kind of has this like brief emotional term- turmoil over that. But then he just kind of refuses to address it and act in a funk. And that may be what someone would do in real life, but it doesn't make for a good show when you're sitting there and mm-hmm. you're just emotionally stupid for half the runtime. Mm-hmm. That and he so so when you like we talked about how the characters ignore the plot and Malfina is the main plot. He literally ignores her, and that becomes a plot point. Yes, where she's like, "You're ignoring me," and he's like, "No, I'm not. No, I'm not." Uh, while also being an utter dick, and he shouts at her, and he's like, "For being sad." It's like, "Wow, Gene, you utter asshole." <laughs> he. Treats Malfina like crap the whole way through. And that's, yeah, and I'm agreeing, and that's horrible. And that's why I'm saying that they needed to show, the they, they need yeah, to they, take what they did, compact that to maybe the first half, and then spend the first p- part of the second half showing them bonding and coming together. Yes. So when he makes that decision, the ley line, it makes more emotional sense and triumph. Yes. But they didn't, which no. is a problem. Instead, what they have is Malfina has a stalker who's literally creepy as fuck. Creep, like he has like serious gaslighting dialogue, like breaking down the door and telling Malfina, "Look what you made me do." Like straight up, he's the boyfriend from uh, Heather's. Heather's, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, same character, except for this one is part robot, evil robot. That's what I said. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so so when like this other evil stalker robot is like, oh, Melfina, you're mine. And Gene sees it. He's like, no, fuck you. She's mine. And that's the only motivation for why he wants, to, at least it felt like that was the only motivation for why he wanted to be well with Melfina was because another guy was macking on his turf. Yeah. Or threatening to. Yes. Even though she was like, you're a creepy stalker get the fuck away from me, you know, in a very nice way because she's Malfina and of course she's innocent and... She's also only been alive for like a month at that point. <laughs> Awake? She might have been alive longer, we don't know. I guess. I think Glen Khan, who's also really creepy, um, kind of implies yeah, that he's she creepy. was recently created. He's creepy, but not in a... He's not creepy towards other characters. He's just weird. He's just weird. Yeah. I didn't mind him so much. <laughs> I don't mind him. I think he plays his role very well. I wish that they had used him as more... More of an antagonist. More of an antagonist just because it would push things along. If you're not going to use the assassins, use Gwen Khan. Mm-hmm. And 
they did a pretty good job at using the McDougals to push things along. <laughs> well, you just ta- said about how they managed to use the McDougal or one of them one to of force Gene uh, to say something about Melfina other than, I'm not ignoring you, I'm just a petulant man-child. <laughs> still a man child he's still a man child 100 <laughs> i'm not disagreeing with that but it was the mcdougall that pushed that true what speaking of mcdougall mcdougalls mcdougalls thank you speaking of the mcdougalls so, so the story started off with gene being i guess that's one growth was that gene has a fear of space and then he's forced to go into space and he gets over it but the reason he's afraid of space was because when he was a young boy his ship with his dad was attacked by pirates. pirates and his dad died in front of him. And it was terrifying and scarring and oh my goodness. And then he finds out that the ship that attacked his father's ship was the McDougals. And so he's going to go and get revenge and get closure. And then nothing happens. Yeah. They don't do anything with that really important plot point. They could have developed Jean's like, personality more with that and they could have actually hinted about why the McDougals are important instead of just yeah my robot brother has a thing for your robot so you know now we're gonna stalk you Uh, I think the older McDougal also does recognize the XGP as the XGP and says yeah I'll get me some of that because why not and then he can get to the Galactic Ley Line, which, again, nobody except for Hazanko really seems to know what it is, but Hazanko's not telling anyone. So everyone else is like, it's got to be riches. It's got to be good if the pirates were after it. Yep. But, but I do think the older one at some point goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that ship. Yeah, but the, even still, it's like there's – what happened with this other story that you set up? No, I agree. I, they, I <laughs> they feel that they could have given more resolution for that. Yeah. Especially, like – yeah, there's a bunch of weird – again, it all kind of comes to a head in those final three episodes and you're trying to fit so much in that you don't get a good resolution to a lot of these. Yeah. Because it's all stuck there. And they could have – I mean, like you said, they could have resolved it slowly throughout. I think there is one point where Jean goes, oh, you attacked my father's ship. And they're like, we've attacked a lot of ships. So I don't actually remember which one it was. So, Bleh. Yeah. And then that's how that ends. I, you're like, the, oh, okay. It's, it's a traditional M. Bison line where he goes, for you, it was the worst day of your life. And for me, it was a Tuesday. If they'd said that, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of was, was what he said. He goes, like, you attacked a ship on a job outside of Sentinel-3 or whatever. And he's like, I've attacked a lot of ships on jobs. Can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I just feel like, they, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I, that, could... that was pretty flat. Um, I think... It was as flat as Malfina's chest. Wow. <laughs> but, so... The show has problems, and I'm not one to dismiss them. I think, though, that one of the reasons why it's always stayed in my memory as so good is I haven't watched the show in probably a decade. I don't think I had seen it start to finish since before I met you. So it's over a decade. Over a decade. 20 years almost. It's not old. <laughs> um, but the first time I watched it was on TV, mm-hmm. and... I've never really been the type to allow a TV schedule to dictate my schedule. Mm -hmm. So I watched it when I saw it. Now, for all the young people out there, in the old days, (laughs) you used to only be able to watch shows at certain times on certain days. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just live sports. It was every show was like that. Yep. 
And so I watched it when I could, which meant that I didn't see every episode. And so to me, it wasn't 26 episodes long. It was shorter, which meant that a lot of these pacing issues were alleviated because I wasn't watching all of the episodes. Which I guess is one bonus thing of why it didn't really have much plot in between. Otherwise, you'd go back. If you skipped a week, you're not really skipping out on much story. So it's yeah, not the end of the world. But it makes for a worse final product if you do watch it all. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go watch a movie in the theaters that, you know, if you take a bathroom break, you should miss something. Because if you're not, it means that someone needs to spend more time in the editing booth. Oh, kind of like the second Star Wars movie, the new one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I took a bathroom break in that. And you didn't miss a thing. I did not, no. I guess also that was the era where anime came out on VHS, if at all. Maybe Laserdisc. <laughs> okay, in the West, it was definitely on DVD. Like, I have it on DVD. Yeah, but did you get that in the 2000s? Yeah. That's what I mean, is that when it was made in the 90s, that was a thing. We just, we just said 98. Yes. So it was barely made in the 90s. My point being <laughs> that I'm pretty sure they weren't thinking about people watching it all in one go, unless... I don't know if anime VHSs were popular in Japan at the time, but they definitely were not popular in the West because you'd probably get maybe two episodes in one VHS. Oh, it was a mess. It was horrible. I needed to buy them all individually and they're all expensive because it was a low production item. Yep. It was the worst. Yeah. It was always better to just wait, especially because they did the same thing with DVDs when they came out. Yeah, they did. And you'd get, it was like, horrible. It was like, I remember my first version of Evangelion was on... Eight DVDs, and they'd always do the thing where, like, the first one would come with a fancy slipcase, so you could put all the other ones into it. And oh, it was a mess. I hated it. And if you were lucky, you'd get a full series release on, like, three DVDs. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, things have changed, and you can actually watch things pretty succinctly because of streaming and things like that. So even though we're getting a lot more fluff anime that doesn't tell us stories as well... We're getting a lot of really good anime that has really strong plots from start to finish. Yes. Which I kind of rewatching it, I hope this one would I hoped this one would be more like that. I still think it was really good. Uh despite my complaining for the last what, twenty minutes? <laughs> um I I really enjoyed it. I thought like I said, I thought the world building was fantastic. I think it was a great sci fi story. It was so good, Joss Whedon ripped it off later in order to make Firefly. Yes, he did. So... I remember, because even though I told you to watch Outlaw Star way early in our relationship, you refused. I didn't refuse, and I just instead, never got around to it. And instead you showed me Firefly. Yes. And I started watching the first episode of Firefly and went, wait, this is just Outlaw Star. And then we started watching this and I was like, wait, this is just Firefly. I was right. <laughs> vindication, sweet, sweet vindication. To be fair, it was only Firefly, or rather Firefly was only Outlaw Star for maybe the first episode or two. I mean, I'd say for the... Everyone speaks Chinese and English and Girl in a Box, and that's it. Girl in a Box that leads them to a secret location in space. Yes, but that never happened in the original series of Firefly because it got cancelled. Yes. So if Firefly had gone for 26 episodes... It would have been the same for the first three episodes. We would have had 19 episodes of filler, and then you would have had Serenity for the last four. Yes. Yeah. Actually, that would have been amazing. Outlaw Star. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. 
I was slightly worried that you were going to dislike this a lot more than it seems that you have. What, I mean, like I said, I com- I'm British. I complain a lot. Even when I like something, I complain a lot. I complain about you like all the time, and I constantly. like you. I like you quite a fair bit, I suppose. After ten years, Yeesh. and six years of marriage. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, there was sometimes when we after an episode or something, and you'd kind of be like, ugh, like, ugh, she's hating this. Oh no no no! I just hate Gene. Fair enough. He's just, ah, uh, he's such an asshole. Like, almost all the time. I like Jim. I like Jim. Yeah. Jim and Aisha. Best characters. And everyone else can go hang? Yes. Jillian's oh, and pretty the, fun. Oh, and the ship, yeah. yeah. Jillian. When, when he's around. <laughs> when he's not stuck in the dock because they can't pay for fuel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well... Hopefully, this glowing review will get more people to go watch a classic of anime. It was a product of its time. A classic of anime. Its time being many eons ago. Whoa, 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 whoa. BM. BM anime. And if we're really unlucky, then we'll get a live-action Netflix adaptation. (laughs) Ooh! Ooh! (laughs) Uh, Anyway... You can find us online at www.annabrosecreative.com. Or on Twitter at AnnieBroseCreative. This has been a, another fun episode of Otofususume, recommendations for our Itaku spouse. If you like Outlaw Star, or if you know someone who might like it, please do recommend this to them. And then feel free to leave us comments, either on our website or tweet at us. We're always interested to hear what other people have to say about our hot takes and or lukewarm takes and or... Freezing cold. Freezing cold takes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been fun. And I've been Wesley. I've been Jen. Bye. Bye.